Welcome to the Unchained Podcast. This is a space where we talk openly about topics that are typically seen as taboo in casual conversation. We want to remove barriers for people to share their stories without fear. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. Um, we have a very special guest with us today. Um, her name is Aoife Rojak. And is that, am I saying your last name right? Yeah, that's it, Rojak. That? Okay, because yeah. I never know. Um, Aoife and I, we don't go way back. It's funny. We kind of just met relatively recently. Yeah. But we are friends. And it's my pleasure to have her on to talk about... Um, her story and her experience when it came to fetal loss. That's one of those things that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. Um, women who've gone through fetal loss or miscarriage or stillbirth, you know, it's still kind of a topic that we feel like we need to keep to ourselves or we just feel like is not suitable for um, everyday conversation. Mm. But this is a thing that we really need we need to talk about because so many women go through this. I think what yeah. one in four women go through some form of loss, fetal loss, um, miscarriage, stillbirth, um, abortion, uh, something like that where we lose um, we lose our offspring, um, lose um, our child, our fetus, baby, however you want to call it. Um, so, uh, Aoife, do you want to tell me a little bit about what happened, um, as much or as little as you want to share. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so just after my husband, uh, Barry and I got pregnant, or sorry, got married, mm-hmm. um, we, I became pregnant and we, I think we'd hoped for, to have children for a long time. So we were very, very excited and we got to our, uh, 12 week scan and we didn't really tell anybody I think we told his mom and one or two kind of close family members um and then when we got to our 12 week scan and everything seemed to be okay we told everybody mm. uh, because we were we were just so excited um and I can remember at the scan we had there was one radiologist and she called in another um radiologist just to kind of check over the scans and stuff and they were so sweet about it. They were like, oh, look at your baby. Your baby's waving at you. And yeah. we could see the baby's little hand and on the scan. Um, and then we got called back again um, a couple of weeks later. And I think normally, because this was our first pregnancy, we we knew that we'd have a scan at 12 weeks. Um, sometimes you'd have one maybe at 16 weeks and then your big scan at like 20 weeks. But they were calling us back sooner than expected. But because it was our first time being pregnant we didn't know any different um so we went back again and then they called us in again at around 16 weeks and I remember um Barry was working in in town at the time and he said that we drive in together so he drove in in the car Mm. and his mum actually came with us as well and I was like you know off you go to work and I'll, I'll see you later and on the radio at the time, they were actually talking about um, about miscarriage, mm. and it was just one of those kind of random things. So random. It was so random, and so I said goodbye. Parked up the car, and he walked off to work, and went in with his mum for the scan, and um, they basically he I was sitting there waiting for the scan with his mum, and. 
sometimes in Hollis Street you have to wait for a long time it just depends on the amount of people that were there um I remember sitting there and next thing Barry walked into the waiting room and I was like what are you doing here um and he just said he was like oh I just kind of felt I should be with you today wow so random it was really random yeah um I was like oh okay so we went in and um the team that were there they did the scan and they were like they knew at that stage that the baby wasn't developing properly and wasn't growing mm-hmm. and that there was something seriously wrong so um sorry oh, don't apologize at all that's why we have tissue yay <laughs> you guys we always keep uh, in the office you can't see it but we've got like boxes and boxes of tissue because we cry that's what happens yeah so um yeah they had to break the news to us that there was something seriously wrong with their baby and they didn't know Mm -hmm. um what was wrong and I just I just remember at the time like Barry it was like wow he just got this intuition that he needed to be with me Mm mm-hmm yeah. And I was just so grateful that he was there. Yeah. And his poor mom, it was going to be her first grandchild. And she was so excited. And when we got the news, she was just devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to try and mind her in amongst trying to process what was going on with our baby ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so difficult because we just had so many questions. Yeah. We just didn't, I didn't understand what was happening or, or what was what was going on um so I remember we dropped his mum home and then we just had time ourselves to try and process what we were gonna and um, what we were going through and what was wrong with our baby mm-hmm. um and we had to go back in and see the doctor again and I remember um we were being told look it's it's definitely there's a chromosomal chromosomal abnormality here your baby's not developing as your baby should Mm. and we don't know what exactly is wrong but we don't know if you're going to go to full term or not we don't know you know your pregnancy may go on for a couple of months or may just be a couple of weeks we just don't know Mm. um so we were given the option of doing tests to see what was um wrong with the baby and we chose to do an amniocentesis which um, I think under normal circumstances is, it's kind of a traumatic enough uh, test to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember at the time, they have to put like a, a little needle into your stomach that goes kind of into your womb and they take out a little bit of the amniotic fluid and um, it was very difficult for them to do the procedure. Um, so they had to try several times. That was... That is traumatic. It was very, um, it was very difficult. Um, but we knew that it, it wasn't going to be easy. And we just knew that we wanted to get to the bottom of what was wrong with our baby. So right. just to help us, just to try and process it a little bit more. Exactly. Um, I remember I got very ill after that and I had to be admitted into hospital for a night. And then we got to go home and I just wanted us to spend as much time together, myself and my husband and my baby. And mm-hmm. we got to have... we got to have um just a few days of the three of us together yeah 
And so precious. It really was just to have that time with our baby. Um, and I'm just, I'm very grateful for that. Mm. Um, so we, when we went back in to get the results, um, we were told that our baby had triploidy, which is a chromosomal defect. And mm. the the doctor, bless him, he was just just so patient with us mm. and explained like before, he didn't know how long our baby was going to survive her in the womb. Mm. Um, and he gave us the option. Um, in Ireland at the time, abortion wasn't legal. Mm-hmm. And he gave us the option. He said, you know, sometimes when there's there's people or couples in your situation, um, they may choose to go to the UK and have mm-hmm. an abortion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just remember at the time, it was like, I just want to keep my baby for as long as possible. Yeah. For as long as she, she can be in my womb, I just want to keep her there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do it. And um, my husband was so supportive. Um, he respected my decision to keep my baby. Mm-hmm. Um. And the doctor was just, you know, he wasn't, I, I never asked him if he was pro-abortion or pro-life or anything mm-hmm. like that at all. He mm-hmm. was just being a doctor and just giving me, um, giving me an option that I never had thought of. And just yeah. as soon as I heard it, I was just like, no, I can't. That's just. At the end of the day, it's it's not about like pro-life, pro-choice, all that. But I mean, it really, it's. All politics aside, it's very, very difficult to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah. To to go through what you went through um, was one of the hardest things any human has to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, um, you know, that that's that's the road that I chose was just to, to keep my baby for as long as possible mm. and if others choose different it, it's up to I couldn't judge yeah um, it's just up to a person themselves mm-hmm. when they're in that situation what they choose to do mm-hmm. um so we knew at that stage that we didn't have um much longer with our baby and I, I remember after the amniocentesis they had to send the results over to the UK over to Scotland that's mm-hmm. where there's a special laboratory over there and mm-hmm. I remember that weight of just not knowing and um I am prayed so hard um and she couldn't understand and we were trying to explain to her look you know this baby's just not gonna last much longer she's like Mm. well if we pray and I was like I I truly believe in praying but I just um just the heartbreak of for us but I remember the heartbreak of us trying to explain to others what was going on right um and I remember I got to the point where I had to say to my husband I was like look can you just tell my work colleagues what's going on I can't talk to them about this god love him like he uh he was so brave Mm mm-hmm um so we were brought back in again um the following week for another scan and that's when we found out our baby had passed Mm -hmm. um so it was it was just such a shock but it was kind of we knew that it was going to happen um at some stage Mm. um 
And then they started talking about, well, you know, because uh, I at that stage I was um, over 19 weeks pregnant mm-hmm. and they started talking about how I was going to have to deliver my baby. Yeah. Which I didn't know about. Oh God, that's hard to hear. Um, I, I didn't really, I don't know, I suppose I didn't know. I know that people had miscarriages, but I didn't know that sometimes with a miscarriage that you actually have to go through the full labor and deliver your baby. Yes. And that's what I had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember they had, they had great support in the hospital. Like they had counselors ready who came to see me. Awesome. And they, they really, um, I just remember there was this incredible, just kindness in amongst all of that pain. Um, and just that we had, a, there was a gorgeous chaplain. I can't actually remember her name. I went to look for her afterwards. Um, and she was just so supportive. She gave us the option of having like a little funeral in the hospital for our baby. And she organized everything for us. Um, so I was sent home that day after taking um, some pills, which yeah. were to help. So I, I, I think maybe it's a little bit like, when you get induced yeah it's kind of I can't remember the name of what what it was yeah they they give you two pills it's like when you have um an abortion it's the same medication that they give you they give you one to help the cervix soften and um yeah and then they give you the second one to help you contract so that yeah Mm -hmm. so I was sent home then knowing that I had to go back in then Mm -hmm. to to be induced properly so then they do another procedure similar to when you're induced mm-hmm. um and I had to I spent the full day in labor yes just not knowing when baby was going to be born and just the I think that medication um it's pretty horrific on your body it really is it's so hard it's just so um it intensifies the pain and it, it's like your body kind of knows um kind of nearly my body I felt nearly went against it if that makes sense especially if you're feeling stressed sad angry all those things can really it's so hard and any medication that they give you in labor to make you to stimulate those contractions it's almost like it's times 10 of the pain that it normally would be if your body was producing natural oxytocin yeah Yeah. oh it's so hard it's pretty horrific and I I think as well I, I didn't I don't feel annoyed at myself now, but I didn't ask. Mm. I didn't ask to explain what was happening. Mm. And I, I felt the the medical, my, my doctor wasn't there for that part of it, okay. my consultant. Um, but I just felt like it was like, okay, so this is what we're going to give you. This is what we're going to do to start your labor. And then they left myself and Barry in a room. Oh, and that it was sounds really, awful. But I, I didn't, it was like, well, you know, the contractions are only starting slowly, so we'll come back and check on you. And they gave me gas and air, and I think they gave me pepidine. Pepidine, yeah. Yeah, for pain mm-hmm. at one stage. But I just remember that feeling of just isolation, mm-hmm. um, being in a maternity hospital, knowing that babies were being born around me was very difficult as yeah. well. Um. But knowing that we had to go through this, but not understanding what was going to happen next. Mm. So I think that just kind of intensified everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the nurse and the midwife that were assigned did check kind of check in and out um every kind of couple of hours it felt um and just topped up the pain medications the kind of contractions got worse um and then I remember that night it must have been about 12 hours later it was a long time to go through it um I just felt this urge to go to the toilet and I didn't have a toilet in my room mm-hmm. I was thinking about I really need to go and I went out to the carriage or the the corridor and I started to deliver my baby in the middle of the corridor and this mm midwife just saw me she kind of literally came out of nowhere and just grabbed me and she just knew straight away what was happening and she just literally carried me into the room and got me onto the bed and helped me Mm. deliver my my baby and she was just so kind Mm -hmm. and just so compassionate and after going through just the horrors of what we've been through those couple of weeks um she just gave me my dignity back she just, yeah. I'm so grateful for her. And I actually, I met her a year later when I was That's pregnant. So and we awesome. Spoke. Yeah. That's like, so amazing. I got to say thank you because oh, yeah. I really felt that, you know, I had prayed to God. I'd asked God to save my baby and it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. But I really felt the horrors that I went through. And especially that day, mm-hmm. he, he, he was there. He had that little angel there just to to look out for me. Oh, what a wonderful woman. She was just... Seriously. She was so kind because there was a lot of... Uh, uh, not to be too kind of graphic about it, but I was in a bit of a, a bit of a state. I needed to have a shower and stuff mm. after I delivered my baby. And yeah. she brought me down and she washed me and she mm-hmm. showered. Yeah. So something, just such a... An act of kindness just really just helped. She saw my pain mm-hmm. and she um she acknowledged it, but she also gave me my dignity back. Yeah. Um yeah. So I'm very grateful for that. Um so yeah, as a nurse, I mean one of my anyone who gets into nursing you know, you get into it because you, you do want to give people's dignity back. That's one of the things about nursing. You're there in the lowest points when someone does need a bath because you need a bath at some point too. You know, you kind of recognize the humanity of everybody's kind of in that same boat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What happened after that? Um, After that, she got me... Uh, she got me dressed and I went back to, brought me back down to the room mm-hmm. and um, my brother actually called in it was like one of the most surreal experiences after going through such a traumatic experience and he was there with us for a little while and then um, Barry's brother actually called into the hospital then as well and um, I remember at that point they wanted me to stay the night mm-hmm. but after what I'd been through I just felt I wanted to go home to my own bed yeah Okay. Um, so I ended up it was about midnight and Barry's brother drove us home mm-hmm. and we'd arranged with um, the chaplain in the hospital then to have the funeral for our baby okay. for Rachel mm. and uh, she'd organised everything for us and they had the most beautiful little chapel down in the basement of the hospital mm. and actually before that 
um there's one part I forgot to share just about before our brothers came in that nurse who looked after me wanted me to see my baby just to mm. just to um to see her did you want to I really felt that I couldn't. Okay. And she was so kind and so compassionate. And I remember Mm -hmm. there was another nurse with her then at that stage. And they were like, no, I I think you'll actually regret this if you don't. Okay. They Um, didn't have a way to take pictures of your baby so you could see her later? No. Um, That wasn't, yeah, that wasn't there at that time. This is only 10 years ago. Um, Okay. But it wasn't... Not that I can remember, it wasn't an option at that stage. Um, Sounds like (laughs) that needs to be an option. Yeah. Everywhere, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I know with our baby, because she hadn't developed properly, she didn't look like what you'd expect a baby to look at. And I can't remember at that stage what exactly they said, but they had me prepared for that as well. Okay. Um, So... I did just get to see her just for a minute Mm. and that just was so difficult. Yes. But I'm glad that they did give me that courage Mm -hmm. and that prompting to do Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. because I remember they really, really encouraged me because I just felt I just, I I couldn't. Um, Mm. So I'm just very grateful that they did do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, I'll tell you in a minute a little thing because I don't want to make this about me, but I have a thought about that in a minute. But let's finish your story and hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, so when um, I went home that night, and I, I don't even know, uh, there wasn't much sleep. I was in a lot of uh, emotional pain mm-hmm. and physical pain. And when we went back in for the funeral the next morning um we'd invited like our our siblings and uh kind of closest family members there and mm-hmm. um I I just I remember I cried and I cried and I cried so much it was just I couldn't hold it in um yeah. I remember Barry's mom was kind of worried about me and I was like I just need to cry well, yeah, you lost your child. Yeah. Yeah. That's my baby. Yeah. Um, and then we wanted to to bury our daughter with my mom in my mom's grave. Mm-hmm. So we traveled from Hollow Street out to Leaksup. Mm-hmm. And I carried her in her little coffin. Oh, Aoife. Yeah. I carried her out. we drove out and it was just me and Barry in the car and we got to the graveyard and I think at that stage I cried so much um it was just I think it was just like our last little journey with our baby but we had um the priest who did our, our blessing at our wedding uh 
he was there to do a little service as we buried her. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a very, it was actually at that stage, I just felt such peace. Um, as emotionally I was in turmoil, of course, but I, I just felt just such a peace and such a relief just to be able to do that, to bury her. It just meant so much. I'm so glad you got to have that request yeah it was like everything was not just acknowledged but it was just like I suppose looking back now it was kind of a form of closure for me Mm -hmm. as well um I was so grateful as well that we got to do that um so looking back like there was just so much pain and just not being able to understand why we had to go through what we went through Mm. Um, I was saying to you earlier, I just felt that with my baby's loss, I had to grieve. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hold back those tears. And I had weeks afterwards of crying mm-hmm. and not wanting to cry, but mm-hmm. still crying. Um, mm-hmm. There was incredible support and I'm so glad I took from the hospital. Mm-hmm. But it meant I had to walk into Hollow Street to go for counseling. And that yeah. it's yeah. in itself was like, God, seriously, how am I going to have the courage to do this? Yes. Um, but I, I did it. And that woman gave me the tools to deal with going back, just getting through that time and being able to go back out into the real world, yeah. um, preparing me to go back to work. We had a wedding, a very, very close friend's wedding very soon afterwards. And I was just saying to her, I was like, how am I going to talk to people? Yeah. I don't want to talk about this, but you know, um, and she just gave me those mm. tools to be able to deal with those situations. Mm-hmm. But I just find that time in my life, it was like the, I'd lost my mom in my, in my twenties. Um, and I looked after my brothers and, and stuff afterwards. I, I just kind of felt I was given this time to grieve properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to feel all the feels and it was so hard. Oh God, it's so hard. But um, yeah, looking back, I'm glad that I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, you know i I think I think we'd be surprised to know who out there has gone through stuff like this, who doesn't really don't maybe don't maybe don't really talk about it. Yeah. Or think I've passed an acceptable point. Of grieving and now I have to shut up about it you know <laughs> um and I think that there's no there's no um in point where you have to stop no um missing that loved person that baby yeah. that fetus that whoever um person I, you love I think as well being having to feel all, all those feels which is like having to feel those emotions mm-hmm. I remember when friends of ours heard they started coming forward with their own stories yeah of loss mm-hmm. and of miscarriage and um I was so surprised because I, I feel in Ireland that it's something that we don't really talk about no. and it's kind of it's brushed under the carpet it's like oh well you know mm-hmm. these things happen yeah I'm like they happen but it's so painful and it's it's so hard but it's like they don't get acknowledged Mm -hmm. that baby loss or the fetal loss doesn't get acknowledged and it's not excuse me it's still kind of a taboo subject so I found 
when those couples came forward with their stories it mm. really helped yeah and you know it, it wasn't to say that oh I know what you're going through mm. or anything because I, I feel miscarriage it can happen very early in a pregnancy or it can happen um like we were almost we were basically five months pregnant when mm-hmm. we lost our baby girl yeah but um I just feel when it comes to miscarriage it's like you lose your baby um or with abortion you mm-hmm. you lose your baby mm-hmm. and everyone's experience is different but sometimes it's just to hear that somebody else has gone through something similar it gives you hope yeah mm-hmm. that you will get yeah. through this um but that loss will always be with you and that's that's mm-hmm. okay you kind of learn how to deal with it yeah but it's um it's not something for me that has ever disappeared yeah I saw this really interesting um this graphic uh, maybe I'll put it up on the Instagram or something later but it's like um it was a, a picture of this black like a ball inside of a jar and it was um taking up most of the space in the jar and um people there's this notion that grief should shrink over time, that as you get stronger and whatever, that the grief gets, gets smaller. But in reality, so you'd see like the the false picture is the, the black ball getting smaller and smaller as time yeah. goes on. But the reality is the ball stays the same size. We, the jar, just grow bigger and bigger. Yeah. And so, yeah, the grief stays there. It's there. We just grow around it. Yeah. And we learn to thrive in spite of it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's actually a lovely, it's a lovely a good picture. Image. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know something, um, well, I wanted to ask, did you have any like thoughts or advice or encouragement for any woman who's going through this, um, any parent really who's going through this? I think that when it comes to, to baby loss, that it's such a minefield of emotions mm-hmm. and I think one of the things is it's okay to sit and feel all those feels mm-hmm. you may feel sad you may feel incredibly angry mm-hmm. you may feel just so many different things all at once mm-hmm. and I, I think that it's it's okay to sit and feel all those different emotions mm-hmm. um and it's, I I, fi- I found for me personally that at times it was like a tidal wave of emotions. I kind of thought, oh, I'm I'm okay now. I'm I'm getting over this. Mm-hmm. But it's like that. It's it's something that you will learn to cope with, and you will learn to deal with. But um, yeah, it's like that jar does get bigger. Mm-hmm. But it it's okay to feel all those different emotions. Yeah. And I think it's really important to acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. And also just to be aware that if your friends or family haven't experienced this baby loss, they may not understand. Mm-hmm. And at times may say things that are mm-hmm. pretty hurtful, mm-hmm. but they may just be trying just to help you, mm-hmm. you know, and just to be aware of that. Like, so personally for me, having that support in Hollow Street, as difficult as it was to walk back into the building mm. and see so many people pregnant, mm-hmm. having that support, that safe place where you could get support just to learn the tools how to deal with this mm-hmm. is really important as well. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, one thing too, I guess I wanted to say was going back if we can into the hospital room right before you delivered Rachel. Um, when you were kind of feeling like you should have spoke up, you should have asked, you should have, but do you know, it's so hard to know what you need when you're in that moment. Yeah. And for us to expect ourselves to be our own advocate when we're at our lowest point is so hard. And I think, you know, I had to release myself from that too. So going back when I was saying I had a little something to share. Yeah. So when I had a miscarriage, mine was 11 weeks, so much tinier baby. But um, I, so in my nursing career beforehand, I would have been that nurse who would have taken photos of the baby, dressed the baby, done those things for yeah. other women who gone went through what you went through. Um. I knew what to do. I knew that it was really important to offer a woman um, the chance to see her child. Yeah. Um, but I was so exhausted, in pain, just falling in and out of sleep. I was not myself. Mm. And Blake, who was there, I mean, bless him, like, he, um, I hadn't talked to him about, I mean, I'd talked to him about all that stuff, but hadn't briefed him on how to be my advocate in that situation. All he knew to do was sit there and hold my hand and help me get dressed and all that. You know, that's, he did, he did amazing. He was the best, but he didn't know the specific nursing points. And the nurse who was there now, look, I've forgiven her since Mm -hmm. then. Like, I don't even know her name. I don't know who she was or whatever. I think she was new, but she never offered me that. And when I kind of came to my senses later, I realized I hadn't seen um, any fetal tissue, anything like that. Now, granted, like mine was 11 weeks. And usually at that point, um, um, you don't, there's no recognizable fetal tissue at that point. Yeah. But still, I should have been offered even just offered. And so that part of that closure was never there for me. And I beat myself up a little bit for, I should have known better. I should have advocated for myself. I should have asked questions, but you know, uh, this might be out there for anybody who's in nursing, medicine, anything mm-hmm. in a hospital setting. Your patient, they don't know, even if they, in, in, any, in a good time in their life, they would know how to advocate for themselves. They yeah. need you. They need you to be there for them, to explain things, yes. to go slowly, to approach a situation um, very gently. Mm-hmm. And... You know, um, sometimes we do beat ourselves up for not being our own advocate, but you know what? That's okay that you didn't ask all those questions or know every little thing. Yeah. You shouldn't have had to. You should have had somebody do that for you. Yeah. So, Thanks, Katie. I, yeah. I think the, the nurse that was assigned to me was very young and new as well. Yeah. And she just was very, very busy, I think was mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. But I really felt that that other midwife who stepped in and who looked after me and 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 wash me and clean me up and dress me and everything Mm -hmm. that you know that little angel she made up for so much of that day yeah and so many of those um those other kind of unanswered questions and just that feeling of not being looked after yeah Mm -hmm. um in the midst of all of that Mm -hmm. yeah well 
we need to take a deep breath. <laughs> We're going to have a hug after this. Yeah. That's for sure. But, um, you know, is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up? Yeah. I think that at the time I, I felt like it was just such a hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look back, I just, I see that there were these little angels who were like little kind of little sparks of light in the midst of all that darkness yeah. that really, um, that really helped me. And I, I think even if you don't experience that, just not to lose hope. Yeah. I, I think is the, the biggest thing. And just to be so incredibly kind, like just try and be the kindest you would ever be to somebody else, to yourself in that, because you don't know what emotions you're going to feel or how you're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. But just to be extra kind through to yourself through it all. Yeah. Wise words. Definitely. Thank you so much, Aoife. Thanks, and Katie. Yeah. Such a good talk. Well, ladies, guys, whoever else is listening to this, um, if you have been through miscarriage, fetal loss, stillbirth, abortion, anything where loss is involved, and you feel like something's not right. Not everybody feels grief for long periods of time. It's it's really just person dependent how you feel. But if you're not feeling okay, that's okay. Um, and you need to have, you know, let us help you have the courage to talk to somebody about that. Um, if you're here in Ireland with Zoe, we've got counselors, professional psychotherapists who we can refer you to. And, you know, I speak from experience. Sometimes it's just so hard to gather the courage and the energy to find somebody to talk to. But um, just send us a message. Send us an email at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie. And we can help you find somebody. Find somebody who's affordable, who lives close to you, um, and help make this process a little bit smoother for you to talk to somebody. Um, But... um, We're just uh, thankful to be able to talk about this subject and to be able to share more stories. And if you want to share your story with us, get on our Instagram, Facebook, or send us an email and just let us know how you feel about the situation that happened to you. Um, But until next time, keep living unshamed. Thanks for listening to Unshamed. If you like this podcast and want others to be able to easily find it, like, subscribe, and share to your social media. You can find us everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to send us a message, email us at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie.